When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As investors, we're constantly dealing with all these psychological biases and all these psychological phenomenons that make it difficult for us to make wise investment decisions. One example is called anchoring. This is where you get fixated on a specific number, a number or a price for a specific stock. For example, you may have seen a stock trade at $100 a share, and then later it's trading at $150 a share. You might be reluctant to now buy it at $150, because it was recently at 100, even though things have materially changed for the company to justify that increase in share price, you're still anchored to the $100 a share. This makes it less likely for people to average up. They won't continue to buy into good companies that are becoming better because they're anchored to this original price point. Now on the flip side of that, we have panic buying. This is where an asset goes up in value so much, so far above its fundamentals so quickly that investors become fearful of missing out on future gains. So against their better judgment, they continue to pile more and more money into this asset that's quickly going up further and further because they're suffering from FOMO and they're participating in panic buying. We have more psychological factors that trick you into losing money. One of them is called regret theory. This is where investors become so concerned about later regretting a decision that they might have analysis paralysis and they forego making rationally good decisions now for the fear of maybe regretting it later down the road. We also have the psychological phenomenon of loss aversion. This is a proven psychological effect on us where we feel more pain losing money than we feel joy gaining the exact same amount of money. We feel more pain for loss than we do joy for gain. And that in and of itself makes it more likely for us to make poor decisions in investing. All of these psychological and behavioral phenomenons like anchoring, panic buying, regret theory, loss aversion, and many, many more make it so that we make poor decisions. These are the reasons that investors have a tough time beating the indexes they fall into these emotional traps. Well, one of these psychological traps that I think is far more pernicious today than any of the others, and I think this one is causing investors to lose far more money than any others, is survivalship bias. And there's a reason why. It's because of modern day social media. Now we could read the definition of survivalship bias here from Investopedia, but I'd rather look at an example from this teacher teaching a class of what survivalship bias is. And survivalship bias is not something specific to the stock market or investing. In this context, he's talking about survivalship bias in regards to World War II and different planes that were returning back from battle. The U.S. Air Force wanted to find out where they could more strategically put armor on their airplanes. They wanted to add armor where they needed it and not have it where they didn't need it because it adds weight and they don't want to have armor everywhere. They just want to have the armor precisely where they need it. So what they did was they looked at airplanes that returned back to base and then the red dots resembled where the airplanes had been shot. Now your initial impression, looking at this data of these different planes and seeing that the red dots are precisely where these airplanes are being shot, you look at it and you think, that's where they need to put the armor. They need to cover up where these airplanes are being shot, but that is precisely the opposite of where the armor needs to go. And this professor explains why. We're doing so well. Okay, let me me see if I can summarize. Let me see if I can summarize. So, So there is suspiciously, there's suspiciously no gunfire recorded on the cockpit. None. None 
on the engines or on this very particularly fragile part of the aircraft where it's very, very thin. Why is that? You get shot in any of these places, you don't come back to be a data point. Does that make sense? Right? Pilot doesn't survive. While our first impression is to cover up all the places where the returned airplanes have been shot, the actual right thing to do is the exact opposite and cover up all the areas with extra armor where the planes aren't coming back. This is the first illustration of survival ship bias. The airplanes that came back survived. So even though they were shot, they still came back alive. That's exactly what they want. And the places that they've been shot are the areas where they don't need extra armor. Now, survival ship bias plays into everything. Every time that you're looking at your portfolio or I'm looking at mine, we're looking at a lot of companies that have survived. These are the survivors of many companies that have gone out of business. We can go through the list. How many companies do you think Apple has put out of business, completely obliterated over the past 20 years? It's gotta be in, in the hundreds, maybe thousands of companies that have gone out of business because of Apple. How many companies has Microsoft put out of business over the past 30 years? Can we even calculate that number? They've created a lot of jobs, they've done a lot of good things, but Microsoft is the survivor. They're the ones that have survived, and they've done that by crushing many other businesses. Way back in the 90s, The Simpsons was making fun of how ruthless of a competitor Microsoft was. It would either buy out or simply crush any other tech company that threatened it in any way. Buy them out, boys. <laughs> Hey, what the hell's going on? Oh, I didn't get rich by writing a lot of checks. <laughs> Microsoft is the example of a survivor. This company has survived the threats of many other companies. It's been able to navigate these very difficult waters to be able to transition from an on-premise legacy software business to a now cloud giant with subscription revenue. Not every company has been able to do that as well as Microsoft. And even when I do analysis of these companies, I have to ask myself, am I investing in them because of survival ship bias? Just because they've done well in the past, do I think they're gonna do well in the future? Or is Microsoft gonna go the way of IBM? IBM had a very good run. It was considered the go-to big blue chip company just like Microsoft and Apple today. But over the past five years, this company has not been that much of a blue chip. It's been on a steady decline. It's a shadow of its former self. This can happen. And the investors that invested into IBM thought that it couldn't end. They were investors that probably also struggled with survival ship bias. You see, the problem is when we pick individual companies or individual investments, it doesn't really give us a sense of how many companies have gone out of business. When you're picking the ones that have survived over the last 20 years, you don't really see the full impact of the ones that have been crushed by these competitors. And that's why ETFs continually outperform the average investor. ETFs and index funds constantly cycle through new companies, making it so that the ones that don't survive don't stay in your portfolio for too long. Survival ship bias is something that every investor faces. Equity investors investing in normal stocks face survival ship bias. Survival ship bias occurs only when the winners are considered, while all the losers have disappeared and they're not considered anymore. They're not part of the conversation. All the exposure, all the attention, all the things that you see are the ones that survive. And although we have this issue that we're facing in the stock market, I think there's another area where it's even more rampant. If you would have invested just a couple grand into Shiba Inu during around August of last year, today you'd be a billionaire. Man, what? That's an interesting stat. If we would have invested a couple thousand dollars into Shiba Inu like a year ago, we'd be a billionaire right now. What are we doing wasting our time with companies like Microsoft and Costco? 
This is obviously where the money is. And look, he's also gonna go on to highlight a couple of people that have done just that. If we look through the Shiba Inu transaction history on the blockchain, there are transactions like this one in which an individual has turned eight grand into $5.7 billion in under 400 days. So this video, we're gonna talk Shiba Inu. Is it too late to get in? What new dog meme coin can make you a millionaire next? We talked to a friend who turned 30 grand into a million dollars with a single trade. See what kind of strategies he can put us on we'll buy some new meme coins and talk about how I personally went from $70 to becoming a Shiba Inu millionaire. So this video is basically highlighting multiple examples of the most extreme forms of survivalship bias known to man. People turning a couple thousand dollars into millions of dollars or $8,000 into $500 million. And you too can become a billionaire. That's the dream that's being sold. Now, I don't mean to pick on this YouTuber, this is just the way things are. He's just making content that people want to see. And this is what you see on a daily basis on social media. Whether it's TikTok or YouTube, you see the most rampant examples of survivalship bias. With the advent of crypto, the casino is open for all and it's open 24-7. Welcome. Welcome to this momentous day because today marks the start of a brand new journey for you, for me, for all of us. I'm glad you could join us because today, we are launching a brand new digital currency. The currency's name, Million Token. We now have influencers galore monetizing their massive audiences through crypto. And not just crypto, but crypto is just this, it's a medium. It's a medium to be able to get rich quick. And that's what everybody wants. And to do that, you have to be sold on the dream. The Million Token, it's right in the name. Now with most of these social media trends and financial fads, they seem to be like the flavor of the month or with how quickly things move now on the internet, it's more like the flavor of the week. The Million Token started and then a couple people got in early before the hype really took off and then they quickly sold and took their profits. The people that sold right here made out big and they can say that they probably became a multi-millionaire as a result of this token, hence the name. But then you have all the people that probably lost a lot of money buying towards this peak and then seeing the price continually go down. Now they're bag holders, holding onto a token that all it's done for them so far is taken their money and given it to others. Right now, as of four months later, the million token is 89% down from its all-time highs. Now, as per usual, when we all eventually move on from these meme fad tokens and the game of who sold at the bottom and who sold at the top is done, then there eventually merges a new token and the whole game is repeated once again. We saw this with the Dogecoin millionaire, someone whose entire reputation is centered around Dogecoin. What's going on guys, Pro the Doge here and today. Now Pro the Doge is the Dogecoin millionaire. And as you might be able to tell, his whole brand is centered around the Dogecoin. This is what has made him popular. This is what has brought on all this media attention. He doesn't just have a YouTube channel. He has had multiple articles written about him. He's had social media fame. He's had all the eyes on him as the survivor. He's the one that survived. He's one of those airplanes that returned from battle. Now, while the Dogecoin millionaire gets lots of attention for this huge accomplishment of becoming a, a millionaire from a speculative asset is something pretty incredible. The unfortunate thing is the media doesn't pay quite as much attention to the many people that were buying Dogecoin at 50 cents or 60 cents 
There's a lot of buyers during this time. They must be either holding a massive loss or they sold out by now. Now you may already see the issue. We're so focused on the survivors, the people that made it big. We go from coin to coin, from speculative asset to speculative asset, and all the people that hit it big, they share so on social media. Whether it's TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube, you're gonna hear about it. But as this teacher pointed out, there's so many examples, so many data points of people that were shot down along the way. People that didn't hit it big. In fact, they lost a lot of their money. They're not in a good situation. And they're not receiving any type of publicity or media attention, like all the ones that were the big winners. There's a problem with only highlighting the people that made a lot of money doing these extremely risky trades. It gives you the impression that there's a lot of people that are winning and not that many people that are losing money doing these things. When in reality, there's many people that lose money doing it and only a small few that make money. Howard Marks has spoken on this very topic for years. He speaks on people's biases and their inability to really understand risk. And social media, in my opinion, has only made this worse. It's ruined our perception of risk and reward. Here's the actual simplified version of how risk and reward works. Risk is the most important thing. Understanding, recognizing, and controlling risk is something that I've really devoted my life to. I'd like to give you an example that illustrates my thinking on the subject of risk. In 1967, I arrived at the University of Chicago for graduate school, just three or four years after a new theory of investing had been developed. Central to it was the relationship between risk and return, and a lot of it was built around one graphic. Let me show you what I have in mind. The new theory of investment had center the relationship between risk and return. And it was encapsulated in a graphic that showed a line that was upward sloping to the right, indicating a positive correlation. As risk increases, return increases. Many people have misinterpreted this relationship to suggest that riskier assets offer higher returns, and if you want to make more money, the way to do it is to take more risk. Uh, I think both of these formulations are highly misleading. Uh, in short, if riskier assets could be counted on to produce higher returns, uh, then they wouldn't be riskier, would they? No, I think that's the wrong way to think about it. And so I have incorporated another graphic approach to the same relationship. This is where the brilliance of Howard Marks shows here. By incorporating this new aspect, this new element to the graph, it gives a much more accurate representation of the implications of going into high-risk speculative assets. Taken the same upward sloping line and superimposed a number of bell-shaped probability distributions at different stages of the risk curve. What they indicate is that the outcome at a given level of risk is not a fixed point as suggested by that simple line, but rather a range of possibilities. As we move out the risk curve to the right, not only does the expected return increase, but at the same time, the range of possible outcomes becomes greater and the bad outcomes become worse. I think this is the nature of risk. Now, of course, I think Howard Marks is spot on here. As you go up the risk scale, it's no guarantee that you're going to make more money, especially if you go into ill-advised investments. 
many of them that I consider to be faddish or meme tokens, they have a very short shelf life. There's going to be a few people that make a fortune, and they will receive nearly 100% of the media attention, giving us a further illustration and the perception that winning is far more common than it actually is. While in reality, the huge majority of people that participate in this highly risky behavior are going to lose money. They're at the bottom of the bell curve. Now, I'm not saying that nobody can buy speculative assets or that you shouldn't take on any risk, but you should understand the risks that you're taking on. And just be aware that social media paints a very false picture and survivalship bias is very real. That's all for this episode. I'll see you in the next one.